Welcome to Audio Gyan with Kedar Nimkar, a podcast that documents insightful conversations with Indian designers, artists, musicians, writers, thinkers, and creatives of all types. Catch us on iTunes or visit audiogyan.com for more Gyan sessions. Here's your host, Kedar Nimkar. Welcome to a brand new series of Audio Gyan in association with Bharat Flooring and Tiles. In the coming weeks, we'll be talking with various artists, heritage conservationists, brand creators, illustrators, and architects associated with Bharat Flooring and Tiles. It's a company formed in 1922, which is leader in quality cement flooring and has been primarily making customized, handmade cement tiles. The timeless elegance and durability of these tiles make them work of art and invaluable part of the country's architectural heritage. It started as a part of Swadeshi movement. and with over 90 years of reputation bft is now most preferred choice of interior designers and architects across india you can find relevant links in the show notes below today i have sangamitra chatterjee with us on audio gyan sangamitra is a co-founder of past perfect heritage management which is an archiving and research agency based out of mumbai and specializes in institutional and family archiving i'm also accompanied with firdos variava who's the vice chairman of bharat flooring and tiles so welcome guys uh, to audio gan and thank you sangamitra for giving your time and yeah welcome back uh, firdos hi how are you i'm good i'm good thanks thank you for having me <laughs> uh yeah so i've uh, obviously uh, today we'll try and document uh, the importance of archives and a brief case study of how past perfect heritage management help bft uh, in archiving and preserving their heritage so i've come up with few questions few are towards uh, your practice of work and then if you are for virdos uh, to understand how yeah. this, this collaboration happened to begin uh, if you can give me some context as to what is archiving i mean why is it important or uh, how does families or corporate mm. uh, get benefited from archiving i mean it's, it's also you can extend it further that is it does it help in reflecting back of what you have done sure um see i think one of the first things you need to understand is um that archiving per se is not a means to a specific end um anyone engaging in the acting act of archiving must realize that what you are creating is actually um a resource center now if you may um you know something like an intelligence center if you may for your organization or the um, unit that you're working with now um once you have done a certain amount of archiving and you've done a certain amount of documentation of your own history your own journey then its uses are multiple its uses are varied in the case of bharat flooring tiles we used it used it in a particular way but once you have started engaged in that archiving activity it can lend itself to all kinds of activities now whether that's um whether that's helping you in your legal cases whether that is a marketing and branding activity whether that's just to build if you, if you're a large enough organization then it can also help you to sort of motivate your um your staff you know because there are all of these stories about how the company now large companies like say godrejes or siplas or mahindras godrej and sipla tatas they've engaged in an archiving uh, program for all, for a long time now um so they are able to use their history various aspects of it in multiple ways including inspiring employees including educating 
to them how say for instance their products evolved or, or how practices and policies within the company evolved why they are a certain kind of company now depending on how um you know how big your organization is and how um vast it is how many employees it has your it has your archiving program can cater to all of this um so and this is this is something that we are seeing a lot of companies are realizing the benefits of it it kind of like you pointed out it does help you reflect back but reflect in a way that will be useful for your present and future it may not inform your decisions in the future directly but if you have an understanding of why your organization has has uh, taken a certain path taking taken certain decisions in its past then you know what the values and the ethos of the company is and then it sort of helps you streamline your decisions for the present and the future it's just getting to know yourself a little better before you take on the challenges of the future mm-hmm. so i'm i'm doing one exercise in uh, book my show where i work currently that uh, it's basically just take out all the screenshots of the app which you have today yeah. and just lay down in a particular yeah. format so that i know what all ways a user navigates through the website right and uh, it, is it in a sort of archiving or is it just So I want to understand the subtle difference between archiving and documentation, right? Right. Yeah. Right. So what you are doing is um in a way um sort of analyzing your very recent past. Right? Mm. Something that you have been perhaps involved in um but now you're taking cognizance of everything that you've done and analyzing whether you've done the right thing or the wrong thing or whether there was any other way to do something. Right? Now that's fine if you've been involved with a project from the start or that's fine if you're doing if you're analyzing something that happened 5 or let's say 8 years ago but what happens if you are asked to analyze something that has happened years ago mm-hmm. right that intelligence is lost the people who were involved in that decision making or the process of how something came about are no longer there and documentation also typically has not existed because a lot of companies throw documentation away you know iski kya zarurat hai that that's the uh, mindset and in a place like bombay i've heard of a lot of companies losing all their records in the floods of 2005 mm. you know it's gone into some basement storage and sab beh gaya hai or it's damaged to such an extent that you can't retrieve it the point of archiving is that it has to be available not just to the current generation but for at least two generations beyond that especially in a company like bharat flooring tiles that's around for about 97 years um a lot of history has gone hmm. already um you know the founders generation there's nobody from there but yet that was a very very interesting time in the history of the company as well as the country so how do you get that kind of information look at it from today's point of view maybe yes not everybody is interested about what happened 95 years ago but look at it from today's point of view let's look at gst gst gets um introduced 2 years ago 1 yeah, 2 years ago yeah. um we are still trying and figuring out how various sectors how various companies are responding to something like this mm-hmm. right um in about 2 or 3 years it will become routine but in about 15 to 20 years it will be an interesting study to understand how different companies different industries sectors small you know small and medium players larger players logistic companies all of them responded to it 
right? So you have to have a long-term view when you're archiving. It's not just about what happened yesterday, but what happened many years ago, and is it still relevant to us today? Hmm. But then uh, the last point which you mentioned is it still relevant to us today? Why is that factor? Because it may be relevant, say, after fifty years again. So, how objective is this in nature? Um. So you're right. It may not be um entirely relevant, perhaps today. Hmm. Okay, a particular aspect in history, but that doesn't mean, and that's why you must have professional archivists doing this for you. That doesn't mean you let it go. That doesn't mean you discard it or delete it from your organizational memory mm. because you can tap into it later it's a resource which is why i said it's supposed to be considered as an intelligence uh, department of your organization and when you do need to sort of reflect on a particular aspect then you can draw out material from it and that's what professional archivists and your in-house archiving team in various companies help you do mm-hmm. so from a there are various departments that um, reach out to you and you are supposed to be able to sort of interpret the material that you have in your collection for the requirements of various departments and its relevance through time interesting interesting so what all types of uh, things get archived i mean from my understanding and my exposure i think data is one but any other things data obviously assets f- are there but if you huh. can give some more highlight um data in what format is uh, is important in most cases in most companies that have not engaged in an archiving program you'll see what well, some of the things that gets that get preserved are legal documents property documents and photographs legal and property obviously you get the importance of these uh, documents so so either the promoter family or your company secretary is holding on or your legal department is holding on to these documents um then you also have photographs because they are they are that pretty right and especially black and white photographs sepia photographs there's a nostalgic value there's to a visual these memory to right it, yeah. so which is why these get easily preserved um in a lot of cases especially if you're dealing with the fmcg sector um you'll have a lot of these advertisements also that get um preserved mm-hmm. you know either newspaper clippings and things like that but as such archiving must go beyond these visual um you know identifiers of history it has to it has to be about um you know what exactly happened now in past perfect there's something that we follow when we take up any project we're not so concerned about um the milestones of a company those are starting points for sure the achievements of a company is interesting but what we want to understand is what is the legacy of that achievement So in a sense we're not interested in what happened when but why it happened and how it happened because in the why and the how is where it's relevant to this generation and future generations mm. that's what you're i mean there's only this much that um you know a, a cute little photograph can do for your history or can do for you to help you understand your own history but the moment you understand why a particular decision was taken how it was panned you know sort of uh, panned out in reality that's where uh, it becomes relevant to someone say like firdos right with whom we've been we've been working for a, for for a couple of months now so that's what we try um and do in the archiving program mm-hmm. so we start off with say what the company or the family 
in most cases it's family run businesses so what they may have preserved and from there we try and contextualize everything that they've um held on to obviously they've held on to these things because it's important for them whether it's emotional or valuable another way is something that the archiving program tries and investigates into why was this important and along the way we we um, collect a lot of other data collect a lot of other material of about the industry about um you know uh what what happened in the larger socio political environment of the country and things like that um but of course if it's something about say the founder um that gets typically completely lost hmm. you know because unless the founder um th- that aspect of his life has been well documented you really don't go you can get a lot about the industry but not so much about what the founder did and what the company per se did unless material is preserved Mm. So we try and look into um you know various sources after understanding what um the you know the sector the company is uh, has been um, functioning in we um then we go back to a lot of our sources see what's available do a lot of field work to see who and there are tons of collectors um so you go back to each uh, collector and see what they may have you have some collectors who collect only advertisements you have some collectors who collect only letter heads and it's wow. interesting what these people uh may have in their collection i know someone who only collects say the matchboxes of you know olden days now it, it's not like we found that for bharat but then you have a lot of these other you have a lot of tata companies that had their ads on these little matchboxes that you can um you know draw from um so for instance in the case of bharat we spoke to the um, we spoke to architects you know we spoke to old players their collaborators like master sathe and bhuta understand what the industry was like you know so these are things now now there was uh, there was obviously um, this nexus that happened now these are little little things that came out we saw now mrs varyava has she has the archive she's the one who's been um, you know dedicatedly lovingly sort of collecting material um, at the bharat's end and uh, we started with stuff that she had Hmm. um one of one of the most important documents being um they have this um a product catalog from the 1920s and then hmm. there's this there's this uh, book called the sales register around the 1930s now it's called the sales register but it has everything in it it has everything <laughs> from the uh, quantities of uh, material that has gone into make uh, to making a particular kind of tile the colors used um the some of the projects that uh, they've worked in now here is where we sort of you know poured through all their material and uh, sort of fill the gap their product catalog which they've been using which bharat has been using um, you know in their marketing listed some projects but then we realized that this sales register that was like safely kept uh, by mrs varyava has a lot more information about the kind of projects that they did in the 1930s mm-hmm. so for instance they did the um, you know the best house uh, in kolaba and the, and the airport it was called the santa cruz aerodrome in 1955 and there's this little piece in their uh, in in the in that book that talks about the kind of tiles that were supplied to the santa cruz airport hmm. uh, aerodrome um so now these things get filled in and once you you know sort of we mapped this kind of thing what is the projects done by bharat um through all their records that are available and of course they have uh, you know other kinds of registers that are there 
I think from about 1930s all the way till about 1980s handwritten registers which have survived beautiful beautiful handwriting completely legible um so in a sense we started our work with that mapped the projects um and then soon these patterns started coming out hmm. all right we started noticing these patterns and that's when we went back to industry specialists like i mentioned master sathe and bhuta architects who whose name keeps coming up in their records hmm. um i went back to them and that's when um you know we realized that there was this entire nexus that worked together where uh, shapurji palanji um uh, you know was the contractor and you had uh, master sathe and bhuta were the architects um and you know so sort of shapurji palanji would hire all of uh, some contract various works to um you know a specific player in the sanitation department bharat tiles for the tiles so a lot of these buildings in bombay are sort of constructed or a lot of these players have come together in order to sort of construct these buildings so these are things that mm-hmm. then came up mm-hmm. so in a sense you start from what the company has and has preserved understand what is important for them and then sort of uh, you know Zoom go to the out. macro yeah. uh, story of of what is the um, environment in which they are functioning mm-hmm. so that sort of helps you uh, make what is emotionally important to the company relevant with the larger context as well mm-hmm. yeah it's very interesting because if you zoom out and as a as a third person to listen to this also you can draw a lot of insights as to how the market was at that time and what were the challenges and like as a outsider perspective but extending your question to firdos uh, what what made you consider that you should go for a archiving sort of a model as a like archive uh, bharat flooring's uh, history it was a no brainer because uh i felt that there was a disconnect between what the company is today and what we were in the past so i actually wanted to see whether you know history is repeating itself are <laughs> we somehow you know recreating uh history are we redoing some of the things that were done by my grandfather and his partners and it turns out that yes it it is actually the the fact that uh you know when the company was at its peak it was at its most creative there was a lot of innovation and you know it was being led uh, from the front by the founders and uh, this is exactly what's been happening today is that you know with a lot of innovation a lot of uh, rebranding and things like that happening the company is seeing a revival mm. so that was one interesting thing the second thing is that i didn't really uh, know my grandfather he died just before i was born so the archival process was really a great way to reconnect with his legacy and see what kind of person he was and uh, lastly is that uh, being a 98 year old company you really do need to also use that legacy in your various marketing and outreach efforts to show people that look i am legitimate i have history and uh, you know the proof is here hmm. you can see it. you you stand you have enough credibility to uh, put out a word that you stand for this right yeah like when you know when saurav roy uh, who is on the other podcast that day when he started working with us he said oh my god do you know how many companies can actually claim to be 98 years old hmm. and i was like isn't everybody just 98 years old he was mm-hmm. like no it's very rare yeah. and you guys need to emphasize on that and one of the ways that we can talk about it is by saying look this is what we have in our archives 
this is what we did and sangamitra and her team uh, really have helped us with getting that kind of information together mm-hmm. interesting so sangamitra what different types of archiving i mean this could be a very naive question because from for me archiving is storing it in some place so i'm just putting out a question but yeah uh, so in this age of cloud uh, what and how does this work and what different types of archiving also happen let me address the cloud bit first because mm-hmm. that's that's um that's a myth i want to clarify with everybody listening in okay um is that put, putting something on cloud is not archiving it what you're merely doing is making sure that the digital version is accessible and there is a storage platform for the digital version when you're dealing with 100 year old companies you don't have everything in digital version so is this a frequent question which is asked yes. oh wow that's yes. great yes <laughs> it's a frequent question and a lot of times i do have people tell me isko humne scan kar diya uh, server pe dal diya abhi iski zarurat nahi hai and that's when i freak out hmm. i've said iski zarurat nahi hai as in what you want to what do you want to do with it now and i know because the mentality is that this has been scanned and this has been put into some kind of server or cloud the original will be discarded that is what is freaky because um we know from experience and it's common sense you don't even need a professional archivist to come and tell you this that uh paper and photographs will survive they have survived all these years and they will survive we don't know what's going to happen to digital um uh, material right none of us are using floppy disks anymore i don't even have a cd drive on my computer yet uh day in and day out i look into libraries of various corporates and i see cds sitting there right there are like 500 cds nobody has access to these cds nobody knows what's in these cds there is a title mentioned on these cds but nobody knows and nobody don't even knows what's the health of the material within it so what cloud basically does is it ensures that you can sort of extract all this material if you have the if you have a reader and put it onto cloud but even then you do need um you do need mundane processes like meta tagging you do need documentation on your server so that photographs and your content can be retrievable Retrieve, yeah. otherwise it's just a digital dump and that's another that's the most basic aspect of archiving and that is to make sure that everything that you have in storage uh is retrievable otherwise it's just a go down it's just a go down it's just the attic digital of your house <laughs> right and yeah. you know once in a while when you think of it in your own personal life once in a while probably you'll sit with your grandmother and go through material and that's when you'll come to know true so then it is dependent just on someone's time right this whole retrieval of your own history this intelligence at say and which is why a lot of people don't know about their own history because it's not accessible so the archiving journey starts off therefore with what is available in physical format yes um i'm not being uh, i i'm not being uh, stupid over here and saying that digital is not important we do get everything that's in physical digitized simply because um you can make it shareable you can you can make it more democratic you can make it available to people and therefore um we do in most cases in most uh, depending on the budget of a project we do engage in a digitization activity but before that there's a lot of work that goes into uh material um you know before material can be sent for scanning um so once that's done depending on what the how the company wants to use its archive then that's made available to 
Mm-hmm. You know, to see, because sometimes you uh, you may be sitting with confidential material and you don't want it accessible by everybody. So then you have to define, um, you know, uh, define restriction, define accessibility, and things like that. So mm-hmm. I- even in the digitization sphere, um, the archivist is um, is is doing a lot of things just to make sure that the right kind of information is available to right kind of people. And that information as such is available and you're not going through, um, you know, sort of 500 photographs just to select one particular image that you're looking at. Understand something, when you're looking at 500 photographs physically, it's easier. It's less taxing on the eyes. Mm. But if you're looking at 500 thumbnails of pictures on the screen, it's that much more difficult. Mm. Going back to your the other aspect of your question, what are the different types of archiving? You know, um, as such, anything that exists in its original raw format, archivists are interested in that. We're not, uh, the moment you're dealing with copies, you're already sort of, um, you know, you're you're dealing with a, um, you know, a secondhand kind of uh, material. Mm-hmm. All right. So it's the original that we are, um, we are interested in because the original can be subjected to different uh, technologies as technology advances. You can take a register of 1937, microfilm it, or you can take a register of 1937 and then um, it, you do a proper book scanning of it and then put up that on the cloud. Hmm. All right. So, um, so as such, anything now, uh, like I said, there are different types of collectors. So it can be the physical, a 3D object. Um, so in their, in the case of Bharat, you have, uh, you know, molds from their history from the 1920s that were used uh, for tile manufacturing back then. So you have 3D objects like that. You also have paper documents. You also have um, photographs and audiovisual material. But beyond that, there are a lot of archivists who are trying and um, who are trying to archive various other formats in which material gets or information gets created. All right. We're not... Uh, looking so much into assets that have a value. Hmm. Okay, but we're looking at other aspects to your legacy, to your history. Now, um, for instance, you have uh, in London, there is um, a London Sound Survey um, that is going about documenting the various sounds of London. This could be the church bell ringing. This could be the call of the newspaper man early in the morning. Um, Or this could be the horn of the ship's on the port. So these are sounds perhaps with as technology advances, the next generation may not hear these things. Right. Mm. So um, there are people who are documenting this in the present and creating an archive for it. Here, the original material, of course, is not physical. It is digital sound. But yet uh, the process of documenting it, archiving it and making it available for future reference is being done. Mm-hmm. Very interesting, very interesting. And mm. and has uh, is there any observation with respect to? So actually, this question is mainly because I was uh, I'm I'm helping Prithvi website, a uh, Prithvi theater website, to be built, and I was uh, talking to Zahan Kapoor, and he was saying that we have almost like maybe twenty GB, uh, two hundred GB, or maybe two terabytes of uh, documentation over a period of last seventy years because. Yeah. That's when Prithvi is active. Mm-hmm. And he said, I like from a naive standpoint, I said, like, put it on the cloud. That's the safest. And he said, mm-hmm. uh, no, I would rather prefer it on my local hard disk. I'll mm-hmm. keep five or ten backups. I don't trust cloud. That's what he was saying. right? Yes, and true. plus he had like actually some celluloid films. And I said, celluloid films again will have probably 120, 150 years. Right. After that, what will happen? So you 
digitize that as well so i think uh, hmm. what you're trying to say is connecting the dots here and maybe uh, it needs so 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 the question is actually now these celluloid films if they want to preserve so in india or at least in mumbai do we have uh, do we have places where you can store at a particular room temperature so that it stays hmm. in a good condition for maybe decades or centuries um so unfortunately over here there's no such place um i mean if you want to hold keep custody of this material hmm. and preserve um you have uh, places like uh, the films division or the national films archive of india in pune uh, that may be uh, sorry the national films archive uh, in delhi that may be and the, the and the institute in pune they may be interested in taking the material but then um you know you'll have to sort of get into um a, a discussion regarding the joint custody of it and things like that um but if it is something that you want to use for your own internal organizations benefits then it's best you start doing this on your own premises where you have uh, control on access mm-hmm. um right so you know typically if you need something to last a really really long time you just need to make sure its storage is taken care of there's nothing there's nothing more to it hmm. just make sure it's not in a damp go down make sure it's in a in a um, in a repository um, that is temperature controlled is humidity controlled and um is safe from other um, environmental and man made hazards hmm. that's what you need to ensure it's possible that and of course you need to do quick ch- you know regular checks on items such as these celluloid films from time to time and things like that because um they tend to either stiffen or um, you know they start deteriorating very fast if they're in damp conditions and so on so that's something you'll have to do but ideally it's best you have it um within your premises within your control because then you can you can again refer reflect on mm-hmm. what has been done Mm-hmm. so that's what i would suggest yeah and uh, for this for you like after this exercise uh, i believe it's i don't know whether it's still ongoing but at least the first phase of the uh, exercise what have been your observations and like any top 3 learnings or anything which you want to share that after you have gone back and studied this archive so the first thing that was interesting was that one assumes that you know you'll find all your archival material within the company itself but uh, that wasn't the case you know after sangamitra and her team had gone through everything that was contained in my mother's uh, filing cabinets and drawers and what not i mean they found a lot of material but they also had a vast amount of material which they found through other people's archives you know for instance the hsbc archives and uh, as she mentioned there are people who collect ads old ads and letterheads and things like that so what is really interesting is the fact that even though you think that something may have been lost or something may not be available with you internally but it could still be there in the wider world and um, the role of archivists like sangamitra and her team is that they can find those things which uh, you would not ordinarily have and then connect the dots and you know uh present you with a complete picture of what was happening back in the day uh during that period of time what else was happening in history that's i think pretty interesting mm-hmm. that was a major lesson mm-hmm. 
connecting history to your archive and if you can share any particular anecdote any one of you because uh, related to bft uh, because i believe like during the second world war you had to pivot and move to a like a riding wheels kind of a manufacturing right grinding so, wheel grinding wheel sorry i'm sorry yeah uh, yeah so any any particular instance which you remember which is now uh, guiding uh i don't know sangamitra do you have any stories about your archival experience at uh, bft um so that's interesting because uh, a company that's as long that's a, that has survived as long as uh, bharat flooring tiles has um typically there are some very key lessons that you can learn um and yes there are lessons in entrepreneurship that you can learn um there are lessons um, um you know in survival survival mm. how does a 98 year old company survive this yeah. long those are very very interesting lessons very very interesting aspects that come out especially then, in india because there's especially like, in india that's right like big freedom movement yeah, happened yeah. and then 71 yeah. happened 93 happened so and everything in bombay right exactly so, yeah. Yeah. and then there's like he pointed out there's the entire innovation story and um what i mean he touched upon it a little bit uh, some time ago but what you do see is that um you're talking about the 1920s and then you're talking about the 1930s what bharat has been able to do through that period um is that it's been able to sort of respond to um the ongoing trends all right hmm. um the design innovation is where uh, their innovation story is that they have from time to time moved um you know sort of transformed their designs as uh, trends have changed and that's something that even you know cut to today you'll see the company invest a lot of time and effort in mm. you know it's sort of it's sort of cool that right now all of these things is hip good design is interesting good design has suddenly found its uh, you know as compared to say the 1980s and the early 1990s where everybody sort of cringes every time they see a visual from then mm. um it's great that as you know the the world has moved to better design and bharat is now has realized that and is investing into that mm. now this is something you see that's happening when again um you know years ago when the industry was in that kind of flux you know when when art deco was coming in everything everything had a certain design language and um, um you know bharat was quick to respond to a trend like that um so in a way there are tons of stories that's there in this history and any company that's more than 90 years old and that has seen all that uh, the country has had to offer um is interesting mm. um but then again um in the case of bharat what i really like is that um when you when you sort of compare the bharat story with some of the other big companies that are around and that were started say in the 1940s or even before that uh these companies have become um sort of massive um simply because because of a lot of reasons but then they were uh, they, they kind of diversified and became these uh you know these big conglomerates I mean, you're talking about the tatas you're talking about the godrejes you're talking about uh, mahindras now they're doing multiple things and of course they're they're are reasons for this both within their own history as well as uh, the socio economic political uh, dynamics in which they are functioning uh, but at the same time a company like bharat flooring tiles is also functioning in that and yet um what has been consistent 
throughout is that they've remained a niche, a boutique firm. They have diversified, but that has merely been a survival instinct. That yes, there was a cement shortage in the uh, during the uh, Second World War, and they had to do something with the capacity that they had built in their factory. They had to do something with the employees that uh, the workmen uh, that were employed. Something had to be done, and yes, so which is why you you see them go into grinding wheels, you see them go into metal printing and things like that. Now that's just survival, right? But in the heart. Of hearts, they've remained this niche boutique firm that does a certain kind of work for a certain kind uh, of aesthetic, mm. right? That right. has remained. That has not changed through generations. I don't know whether at any point Fidos has sat down with his mother or the rest of his family and he's been told something like this. He may not have. All right, I don't think he ever has. But yet, you see him do the same things again. Mm. And for me, it was very interesting because. I could place the Bharat story. It was it was just so easy to sort of contextualize what Bharat is doing today. Today, Bharat is about hip uh, designs. It's yeah. about um, you know sometimes experimental, sometimes um, um, you know safe, but yet it's all about uh, the design and the colors and things like that. So for me to go back to their records and see mm. the fact that even back in the nineteen twenties and thirties, there were some fifteen to twenty colors that were available. Um, to uh, buyers was astonishing, hmm. and hmm. you have colors with right. with really you know amazing names like you have my favorite being crazy cream and crazy green. Hmm. All right, all of these things. Now, all of this was there, and um, all I needed to do was understand what they are doing today and tell them that you know this is what you've been always doing. Knowing it, not knowing it, I don't know. Hmm. True, but this has become the ethos of your organization. Okay. This has okay. become. Um, this has become the principle on the basis of which you function, and that is be associated with quality, iconic work. Mm-hmm. And that's something I think that this, you know, Bharat is still doing now. Mm-hmm. Now, what happens in my case when I was doing their history was that a lot of the iconic structures that uh, they've been part of, there has been no documentation about it. So. I think after this exercise, Mrs. Varyava and I have been sort of pushing uh, the marketing team that you need to start documenting all of these things mm. before, after, uh, take some right. pictures, design evolution. Why did you think of a particular pattern? Any new colors? Go into all of that mm. because um, it just helps you understand. It just helps you document what the company is thinking in the present. Correct. correct. True. True. Yeah. Actually, just I would like to conclude with one last question because. Um, we have been hearing like i think this is the third or the fourth episode in the series so i've been hearing like really good things obviously and the history the rich history which pft has but uh, are there any and this is open to both of you are there any uh, bad memories which get pulled out i mean is there any selection bias while archiving because there must be like some downs also right which you don't want as memories mm. so how do you deal with that and and uh, firdos if you have uh, encountered one such uh, moment yes there were actually uh, quite a few downs and i think that rather than trying to forget them we you know we've always tried to celebrate the fact that we came past that particular down mm-hmm. you know right from the initial period when the company started and uh, through a whole bunch of tiles in the sea because they weren't happy with the quality to the cement shortages, uh, labor strikes, um, 
the illness of my grandfather by you know he basically couldn't do his business anymore uh, i mean so many things you know the trends changing from cement towards ceramic and vitrified uh, to even now today where i feel like the trend is now changing where people are just taking bft designs and copying them onto ceramics mm. uh, so you know there have been various periods where you know we faced these uh, downturns but somehow the other the company managed to come ahead maybe due to sangamitra's uh, you know survival instinct what she talks about <laughs> there is a survival yeah. instinct and mm. somehow the company responds to stress by uh, doing the next thing and coming out of it Mm-hmm. but obviously the points which you mentioned just now are will help in learning for to take future decisions but something like betrayal or like anything which has happened i don't know it it, it fits more like a in a in a family context but uh, is there's any parallel in the uh, corporate world as well but how do you deal with that i mean there must be some like kisi ne paisa nahi diya whatever no so obviously we um I can't think of anything like that in the Bharat history per se but let me just say you know from the some of the other projects that we've worked on you're basically asking what happens if there is something controversial or if there is something um if there's something that you would rather keep um you know confidential and you would not um sort of want it out there um the archiving program that any company organization should uh engage in must ensure that all the information at least is stored hmm. okay all the um the original authentic um material comes into the archive and its understanding behind it is also documented somewhere hmm. um so that's what it should focus on how that information and material is to be used and when it is to be used is for a is is a decision to be taken later on but the first step is to make sure that at least you you acknowledge that this has happened in your past um you know understand why it has happened what has survived from it and what are your own learnings from it mm. it's it's okay if um uh, if it's not something you can talk about um you know in your marketing that these things will happen it's all you don't need to make your archive accessible to every researcher who comes mm-hmm. or every journalist who comes uh, knocking on your door mm-hmm. but at least have that for your own understanding yeah. and you stay indifferent to that information you just it's there it, it's happened and you just archive it you can't always stay indifferent to it i mean especially if it's uh, it's on a very low note like yeah but you know somewhere in your uh, somewhere it gets recorded and it sort of informs Uh, a lot of your understanding of what's happening mm-hmm. now that's i mean i i've probably harped on this already but uh, what you what you're basically trying to do is just understand where why and how something happened mm-hmm. it's it's application um i mean you shouldn't be stressing so much about its application when the time when the right uh um you know situation comes up its application is very obvious mm. uh but at least your first step in an any in any archiving program is to make sure that you have that history documented at least so this is cool. for instance this is happening um say in germany there are a lot of companies over there that have a nazi past right mm. right um and they're not glossing over it 
it's they're not in denial about it. Um, they're acknowledging the fact that yes, they've done these things, and this at this phase uh, of their history, they in a way have ha- helped the Nazi regime. So that's in that's a sign of maturity that you've you've understood, you've acknowledged that this has happened, and you've understood. Um, you know, sort of why something like this was, it was a business decision then. Um, and it's a business decision now to come across as mature, uh, responsible corporate citizens. Mm. So, I mean, it's just, it's just that you can't, as archivists, you shouldn't be sort of, or anyone engaging in the program, you shouldn't be um, sort of, you know, right. uh, going into it with blinkers on. Mm-hmm. Cool. I think this, uh, I wish we can do a part two of this because uh, in a way, AudioGAN is trying to document and archive yeah. thoughts and processes and uh, ideologies of designers and current times. So I think uh, hopefully Sorry. these True. few episodes of uh, Bharat Flooring will also go into the archi- archive and uh, be helpful for, uh, yeah. Like, yeah, if, Definitely. if, I if think tagged so. with... The yes. correct metadata. <laughs> the correct metadata. <laughs> correct. Cool. Good. Uh, I think uh, this is a good note. Uh, thank you, both of you, for giving your time. Uh, Sangamitra, if people have to follow you on uh, Instagram or website, or how do how do they connect with you? Um, so we have a website. It's passperfect uh, at um, dot co dot in, and um, we're of course on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our Instagram handle is passperfectlife. Okay. Um, so you can get in touch with us on any of these. Cool. Perfect. And and uh, uh, Bharat Flooring on Instagram we are at uh, at Bharat Floorings, and on Facebook as well we have a Facebook page where you can uh, like, up. subscribe, and like, share. subscribe and share. <laughs> cool. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thanks a lot. Yeah. And that's it from today's Gyan session. Catch us on iTunes, Savan, Stitcher, or any podcasting app you use. Do rate us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Stay tuned for more Gyan on audiogyan.com. Till then, bye!